Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So today is a special Sunday. Um, today is the fifth Sunday of the Coptic month of Abib, and that is why we just read um, the reading of the, the greatest, one of the great miracles that Jesus performed um, in the blessing of the five loaves and the two fish. We say it's the feeding of the 5,000. Some scholars actually estimate when you include women and children, it's about 20,000. Okay, so um, obviously a great miracle. Um, and in case you're ever on Jeopardy or you want to know some trivia, um, other than the miracle of the resurrection itself, this is actually the only miracle that's mentioned in all four Gospels. Okay, so this is the, this miracle and then obviously the resurrection. Um, so just in case, if you're ever doing Bible trivia at home or something, there you go. Fun, fun fact. Um, so we read this account today from the Gospel of St. Luke. And uh, yesterday in uh, Vespers, we read the Gospel of St. Matthew. And then in Matins, we read the Gospel of St. Mark. Again, all about the same story. And it's such... A unique story it's such an important story that the church says this is the extra blessing you have an extra week in this month great here's an extra blessing um, of this specific gospel and I was trying to think to myself what is it about this miracle in particular that the church said this is the one to read when you have an extra week like we have the readings lined up for like week one week two week three week four but week five comes what is it about th- today's reading what what specifically it could be like I said, the sheer volume of people that Jesus fed. Now, we, we say numbers sometimes, and we just kind of gloss over them. 20,000 people is a lot of people, okay? <laughs> like that's, that's a lot of people. One, that's a lot of people to preach to. That's a lot of people to minister to. Definitely a lot of people to feed. Like, if I came over to your house today and I said, hey, by the way, we're going to do this Bible study at your house. Like, surprise, happy Sunday. We're going to do a Bible study at your house after church. And I'm bringing, you know, just a small number of people. I'm bringing 100 people to the house. No big deal, just a small number of people. You'd be like, oh my goodness, how do I prepare for 100 people that are coming? This is 20,000 people that came um, to hear Jesus' word and to be ministered to, uh, by him. And when we read today's story... <clears throat> One of the things that sometimes I used to like kind of gloss over as well is um, the apostles' response. Okay, they see this great number of people. The day is beginning, as it says, to wear away, like it's, it's like getting to, to nighttime. Um, and the disciples' response is what? What did they go and ask Jesus to do? They have a request. Send them away. He says, send the multitude away that they might go into the towns and they might get food. And some people will, will look at that and say, the apostles are probably just tired, okay? <laughs> to like send these people away. We just want some rest. Like enough is enough. It's 20,000 people. It's a lot. Just send the people away. St. Cyril of Alexandria actually tells us something different. He said they're actually, they wanted to send the people away out of mercy for the people, okay? Like they cared about the people. This is kind of like their pastoral nature. Like they viewed themselves as the disciples of Christ. Christ cares for the people. We also have to care for the people, okay? They weren't perfect by any means. But this is like what they cared about. They cared about the people. So they're saying, Send them away, like they're probably they're probably starving at this point. They haven't eaten anything. Send them away that they might get some food. Because logically, like if you're in their shoes, there's no other way they're going to get food. Okay, like if we know how the miracle ends here, but logically, if you're in their shoes, logistically speaking, there's no other way for them to get food. So it's getting late. People are hungry. They should send them away to get food. So this was actually like a very merciful suggestion. Like they really cared about the people that were in front of them. 
And the alternative, what Jesus responds with, is, as we all know, is you give them something to eat. Okay, and that's like the craziest response you probably, if you're one of the apostles, you're not expecting to hear. Um, and then they present the five loaves and the two fish, and we know again how the story ends. What this shows me, and what I was kind of meditating on as I was reading the story, is the disciples had in their hearts mercy towards the people. They wanted the people to go and get fed. They had mercy. They wanted like to see the people not suffer. That's mercy. That's like a merciful heart. That's a good. That was a good, noble thing that they wanted. But Jesus takes that mercy to another level. So we are merciful. What Jesus shows us today is extreme mercy, insane mercy, mercy that doesn't make any sense. Okay, and that's why, like, when we 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 say, does anybody know how many times in the liturgy, like, we say, like, Lord have mercy? Okay, for matins, vespers, liturgy. Anybody have any guesses? A million. Okay, I have no idea. I never counted. Okay, so a million. Um, but we say, Lord have mercy a lot, right? Like we're we're asking for God's mercy. It'd be foolish to ask for God's mercy if we believe that we, He had no mercy to hand out. He had no mercy to give. Jesus refuses to send the people away because of his extreme mercy and he cares and he wants to provide for the people. How does this apply to me and you? Like me and you aren't sitting around waiting for the blessing of the five loaves and two fish today, like you're probably gonna go out after liturgy, go somewhere, go grab a bite, whatever it may be. You're not waiting around for the same exact miracle. Um, but it, what it does help us hopefully get to is what is our expectation of God? Like who do we believe God is? And what is our expectation when we go to God? Do we go to God? When we go to God, with hearts of joy, repentance, sadness, and suffering, etc., whatever, whatever state we're in, we go to God. What are we expecting? What are we expecting to receive from God? Are we expecting reprimand? Just always like you did this wrong today. Like you're going in to kind of find out, like, hey, what are what are all the things I did wrong today, Lord? Or are you expecting something else, like the disciples? Are you after mercy? And are you expecting mercy from the one who is merciful? That's why we say, you know, like a lot of things in, in the Psalms and, and things like that, say his mercy endures forever, okay? And, and we, we sing about those things and we praise God for those things. Today, today's Psalm actually gives us a good picture or a good template of how we should go to God. If you were paying attention to the Psalm, it actually seems very disconnected from the miracle. Like I told you today, the miracle is about blessing. It's a great blessing, like it's rejoicing. And actually, the Matins gospel was focused on that. It was focused on, like, gratitude. Okay, so if you were paying attention, I always like to pay attention, what is the psalm and what is the gospel? Okay, because they, they should go together. So the psalm of the Matins was gratitude and thankfulness, which makes sense in today's story. Listen to the liturgy gospel. It's a little bit different. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Talk about what seems like the most disconnected psalm from the gospel today. It seems so disconnected. But what I hear in the psalmist, and, and these readings obviously are not chosen like by accident, what I hear in the psalmist and the tone of the psalmist is both desperation mixed in with like a hopeful expectation about who God is. I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like, like I, those who go down to the pit. So his spirit, not doing great, struggling. But there's an expectation, there's a hopeful expectation that God, you're not going to let me be destroyed. God, you're not going to just let me vanish with no mercy whatsoever. 
There's a hunger and a thirst. Spirit is failing. But at the same time, there's crying out for help, for mercy, for extreme mercy. If you have kids, you get this, right? If you have kids or even like a friend, like a close friend, um, you see your child or friend in need, and they come to you and they're in need of something. You never send them away like empty-handed, like with nothing. That doesn't, that doesn't fit with our nature as like human beings who care about other human beings. And you, now the form of helping may be different, right? Like depending on, on the, like let's say like the age of the child or whatever, it might not be exactly what they're expecting to receive. But nonetheless, nobody can accuse you of not caring about your kid. Same way nobody can accuse you of not caring about your close friend that you love dearly. You love them, you try to help them the best way that you know. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong as a human being. But God's always right. And the same way that God, that we wouldn't send our kids or our friends or whatever empty-handed, God would never send us away empty-handed, hungry, empty, longing for something and having nothing. So maybe you're at a point today <clears throat> where your heart is full of happiness, something great has happened, and you go to God and, and you praise God, and God fills you with more joy. Maybe you're at a point today where you're sad, and you go to God and you want to receive some peace. Maybe you're at a point today where in your midst of your suffering and you're seeking out comfort, and maybe you go to God and you're not sure exactly what you want to receive, but at least you're glad that you get to spend some time with him. Whatever it may be, God doesn't send us away empty-handed. It might not be exactly what we ask for in the moment. It might not be what, like sometimes we want to diagnose the problem and just receive the solution that we think is best. And we want God to give us that solution that we think is best. It's like going into a doctor's office and saying, this is what's wrong, here's the prescription, please write it. Okay, that's kind of like how we approach. But that's not, that's not God, right? Like we can't go into, into God's throne acting that way but you will never you will never accuse God of not caring sometimes we confuse the two we confuse going to God and receiving something different from what I expected as God not caring you can never accuse God of not caring I just said if you are a parent and your kid I can never accuse you of not caring you and your friend like to, like think about like your best friend and your best friends in need not caring like you'd say, man, like who do you think I am? I don't even, I'm not even saying doing anything, but like you don't care? Like no, come on, like we all care, like we're human, and we care for each other. But God's mercy is set to another level. Like the disciples today, they cared, they had mercy. God's mercy, another level. So when I go to God, am I like the psalmist of today? Do I have a hopeful expectation? What we believe about God determines what we go and expect to receive, right? So like if I believe that God is there to provide me a little blessing or a little mercy, then that's my attitude and that's my approach. But if I go to God knowing that God is going to show me extreme mercy, I might not always understand the way, but that God is there and God cares deeply for my needs, then I know I'm going to receive something great from God. The same God who refused to let these people go hungry today about 20,000 people care about every single person and refuse to let any of them go away hungry is the same God that doesn't send us away empty-handed. It's the same God that we can never accuse of not caring. The same God who rejected the merciful suggestion of the apostles because he had another level of mercy to show them is the same God who wants to show us the same level of mercy. So when we go to God and we cry out, Lord, have mercy, like again we say a million times, or, Lord, I need you. Lord,
Lord, my spirit fails, we can expect something great. If we go with an honest heart, an open heart, a heart that's willing to receive, and a heart that's expecting to receive, not in arrogance, but in, because who we believe God is, that we can expect something great. My prayer today is that today we receive the extra blessing of the 5,000. This is what the church says. Every time you have an extra, you have an extra week, you have this extra blessing. And my prayer is that the extra blessing that we all receive today is this hopeful expectation in our hearts. That no matter what we're going through, that when we go to God, we're not going to a God who doesn't care. We're not going to a God who's like, the, like you're another person in the DMV line, okay? This is a God who cares about every single person that's, that comes to them, that comes to him. Every single person that's there right in front of him. And he's willing not to show mercy, but extreme mercy. And I hope that we believe that when we're going to God. So today as we're praying the liturgy together, maybe we're asking God to show us that. Maybe we're asking God to increase our faith in who he is. But whatever it may be, we can never accuse God of not caring. And glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.